Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 113 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. The Phillies are winning. I'm sleepy, but you know. We have we have some interesting stuff to talk about. It's I mean, we are in peak NFL offseason here. I mean, this is like peak peak NFL offseason where we're just we're making stuff up to talk about and I'm spending way too much time thinking about hypotheticals. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it is it is peak NFL offseason. So, um this is fun, but I say this every week, I cannot wait until we get to a situation where we're recapping actual football um it's uh definitely missed at this time yeah absolutely so mark mentioned peak off-season content uh we are there because today i'm gonna be pitching rule changes for the nfl uh, and you guys can drop in in the comments let me know what rules you would like to see changed which of mine you like and don't like i've got some serious ones i've got some not so serious ones. I think Mark has a couple of them as well. So uh, we're going to do that. And then we're going to talk through some uh, some explosive play rate charts that I posted earlier this week and a few teams that I'm pretty high on for this upcoming season. So uh, without any further ado, let's dive into it. And again, if you guys are watching live on YouTube or Twitch or wherever right now, Facebook, uh, be sure and drop us a comment. Let us know what you guys think. Drop some of your rule suggestions. We'll throw them up on the screen and talk about them. But Here we go, Mark. My first rule change idea. It's time to fix overtime. The whole whole losing the game in overtime without getting the ball, that was atrocious. They tried to fix it, but they didn't really fix it because you can still just get the ball and score a touchdown and end the game or... I, I don't I don't like it. If you're tied after you each get a possession, it's still just sudden death. So I've got two proposals for overtime to fix it. Uh, and you tell me which one you like better. Okay, so here's the first idea. The first idea is that the end of regulation, if it's still tied, you should just pick up from where the game ended in the fourth quarter. Like you've got the ball at the 40 yard line when the game ends. You have the ball at the 40 yard line going into overtime. Next point wins, make it sudden death. Like it shouldn't be this resetting of the game where I get to kick a field goal as time expires. And then I get the ball back first to go win overtime. So that's my first idea. I'm out. I don't like that one. Yeah. Boo. Okay. Here's the other one. Let play continue from where it ended. So again, I got the ball in the 40. I get it. That's my issue with the current rules about like if you kick a field goal, the other team still gets a chance. So you can't just sit on it in field goal range. You still got to go try to score a touchdown. Yeah, my issue is the teams aren't going to try to score at the end of games because they're going to get the ball back. Uh, I don't think overtime is that big of a problem. I I, I, I they, always they say this. Like, yeah. Well, here's – hold on. Before we get into whether overtime is a problem, that's an interesting hypothetical. So – Say you've got the ball on the 40-yard line. Are you attempting a 57-yard field goal as time expires to win it in regulation? Or are you just sitting on it and saying, no, we're going to take it to overtime, and then we got to go try to score a touchdown so we don't give the ball back? I think you're taking it to overtime. I guess it depends on your kicker, too. 
Like, if you got Justin Tucker, you're trotting him out there to win the game. I I I would put Jake Elliott out there to win it with a 57 yard field goal. Maybe not a 40 yard field goal. He struggles a little bit when he gets closer, but uh, that would be some in, that would be interesting hypotheticals how that would play out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I always I always has hesitate to fix overtime in general um i will say i like college overtime they ruined that though like i I think they ruined college overtime with the whole now third overtime is yeah yeah i liked i liked old school college overtime or what was it the third overtime or the fourth overtime you had to start going for two but like there was still a whole possession before that I can't remember if it was third or fourth overtime, but yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with making them go for two, but like circumventing the whole thing. Now it's, uh, it's just a two point conversion off once it's like the third overtime, like they don't even make you score the touchdown. And that becomes largely just luck. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it now, but when it used to, how college overtime used to be, um, that's the only way I'd really even consider switching overtime. I think. So I guess I, still, I, I, I thought long and hard for my own rule changes, and I only came up with two. I should have just said retro college overtime. That's my third. That's my rule change. There you go. But you got to at least like adjust the spot of the ball, right? You can't be starting at the 25. Yeah. That's chip shot field goals for days. Maybe do it at like the 50 or something. Yeah, 45, 50, yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. You could go with like the – you could go with like the Madden tug of war thing where the ball starts at the 50 and you oh. each, you get a play and then I get a play from where your, your play ended and the first team to put it in the end zone wins. Although I'd say about the field goal thing, it's, it's a, it's kind of a chip shot in college too. I don't think that that's the, like, I don't think that's the point to get a field goal. Cause it, I think if you're on a 25 with a first down and you get a field goal, it's almost like a failure. Oh yeah, for sure. So I feel like I'm fine with the NFL guy starting on the 25. It just might end up being even, do you think there would be more touchdowns in college overtime in the NFL than there was in college? But defenses are, defenses are better too. So it's like, yeah, but defenses aren't really allowed to play either. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe we'll get into some rule changes about that to make defense great again. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not part of that. I don't want to go back to the 1970s. <laughs> I don't either. But I'd love for a defensive player to have like an Sorry. equal opportunity to make a play on the ball. Sorry if my dad's listening out here. I know he wants to go back to the Buddy Ryan Eagles days, uh, where you know you could just blitz nine guys. But I'm. I. I. I, I always. I'm bad with like rule change stuff because I am always like, yeah, I like the sport. Like I, <laughs> I'm a fan of the sport how it is, and like there's little things, of course, that I change. But yeah, you know, all right. I okay, so I, I'm o for one. I didn't get Mark on my overtime rules. I'm gonna get him on some of these though. You're gonna like yeah. some of my rules. I can feel it. So here's my next one. NFL wants to do away with special teams. Like they're moving that direction. Now this year you can they're following the suit of college you can fair catch you know a ball on a kickoff and you get it at the 25 even if it's not in the end zone which Eagles fans rejoice because everybody pop up kicks to the Eagles cuz their special teams is atrocious but I think we should award the ball instead of it being at the 25 on a touchback 
I think if the kicker can kick it through the uprights, you should spot the ball to 15 instead. I'm out because I want less kicks. I want less uprights. Do you, is it time for my for my rule change? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I've I've given it many times on this show. You eliminate oh, you eliminate kickers. Kickers are gone. Their contracts are absolved. I'm sorry, Justin Tucker. We'll still put your plaque in the Hall of Fame to remember that kickers used to exist. But what you do is you have you, you make the uprights really tiny. Like maybe we we basically just make them skinny, like just a really, really like an H. And you have quarterbacks instead of kick field goals, they have to throw it through the uprights. Is this for field goals, extra points? Yeah, keep this keep the same system. But you make the you make the uprights tiny so that it's like precision passing drills in Madden. Okay, we need to get you on the Pat McAfee show to go to go pitch this rule to Pat. I I just think it creates it would create a market where like these uh like gimmick quarterbacks would start getting picked up where they're just like oh the guy throws seventy yards he 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 has no idea where it's going but he, he throws it seventy yards like we have to try it. Uh, like who's a who, like Jamarcus Russell would have yeah. would have had a longer career. Like I don't know if he'll be going. If he could throw it seventy yards through a skinny upright, I'm gonna hazard a guess he would have made it as a court actual quarterback though. That's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm fine keeping the uprights as is. If we want, I, I was gonna say it might go the other way. You might start having like some noodle arm quarterbacks that just don't have the arm to make it in a league, but they they've hit a roster spot because they're just like super accurate and they can hit the 35 40 yard field goals all day <laughs> but th- you know what's going to happen too like someone's going to use their starter and they're going to get hurt and it's going to be like oh my god like we can't be using starters to do this like it's oh, too yeah. risky so do, do you get to rush the passer on these field goals or is it just like just the quarterback on the field no i think you get throw. to rush him i think you get to okay. rush him I mean, you'd line up in shotgun, and I feel like you could you one step drop it. Yeah, just take the just take the snap ten yards back, super yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm I, more I, open to it. I'm more open to it than you have been to my ideas so far. <laughs> I think there's some common that are that are no brainers. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's another one. Thinking a little outside the box on this one, so. You're the offense and you've got the ball on your own two yard line, right? And you call a running play and you get a holding penalty and it's half the distance to the goal, which is like half a yard, right? I think that's dumb. On defense, you're backed up to your own goal line and you uh, you line up in the neutral zone and it's half the distance to the goal, six inches, big whoop. So I think we need to fix this. I think for offensive teams, let's say you're on the two-yard line and you commit a 10-yard penalty. Instead of going back one yard and now you've got first and 11 from the one, I think we keep the ball where it's at. If we can't move the ball back 10 yards, we move the first down marker up 10 yards. So now instead of first and 11 at the one, you've got first and 20 at the two. Same thing for the defense. Like If you commit a 10-yard penalty in the end zone, we obviously can't go half the distance to, or we don't want to go half the distance to the goal. So we're going to move the ball back 10 yards and move the pylons up 10 yards. So congratulations. The end zone just got 10 yards bigger. What do you think of this one? I'm in. 
Yeah, I'm yes. in. There's no reason not to be in. Yeah. First I and 11, him. first and 13 is stupid. I got him. I, I'm, I am here. I am here for some team having a 25-yard end zone because a defensive player commits pass interference in the end zone. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for it. <laughs> I'm absolutely in for it. I want – I don't know if this is a rule change, but I want – I want the refs to be less strict about safeties. Okay. Like it feels like if you get like any part of the ball or your body out, like they, they don't give it to the defense. Like I think if it's close, you should give it to the defense. Okay. Ty goes to the defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's close and like, you're getting dragged down in the, in the end zone and you barely get out. Like, I think you should have to get like the whole football out of the end zone. I can get on board with that. Get your whole body out of the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that too. Like Any part of your body is in the end zone. Sumo situation, yeah. Okay, all right, here, I got another one for you. You're a hockey fan, right? At least a little bit? <laughs> a little, not really, yeah. But I like. Oh, okay. I have an alter ego. Okay. Mark so Pucks. I like the idea, you know, I like power plays in hockey. Yes. So I propose unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and unnecessary <laughs> roughness penalties are no longer 15 yard penalties. I like this. instead the player who committed the penalty spends four plays in the penalty box, which by Ooh. the way is a plexiglass box on the opposing team sideline Four plays is steep four plays in the penalty box and his team has to play down a man four plays is steep, but I like the premise. Maybe we go three plays. I think it might be one play. One Just play, one. one play without one guy on defense would be a pretty huge advantage. I don't know. Yeah, you'd have I mean, to think your chance of scoring on that play, or at least just making an explosive play, would go way up. Yeah, that would be a that would be a rule that like they would definitely have to reevaluate after yeah, like a preseason because yeah. I have no idea what the actual outcome would be. In my mind, you just like rush three for one play and play a normal coverage and. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I. It would be it would it would be something that the smart head coaches would be able to like take advantage of. Yeah, more than my, anything else. My favorite part of the rule though is the plexiglass box being on the opposing team sideline. Like you got to yeah. go sit in this box, and their guys on the bench can like yell through. The I think it should be yeah. I, I think it should be in like the first row of the opposing. Uh, I guess I guess it, it doesn't work if you're at home. I was going to say, if you're on the road, they should make you sit like with the fans. Like they should make you sit like in the front row with the fans. That would be a long walk. And then you have to get over yeah. up into the first row of the bleachers for one, for one play. play. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Well, we can tinker with the length, but I think we're on to something here with the power play idea. Yeah. Did you, I know you're not a basketball fan, um, but there, there's like a league that's. Uh, being run it's not the g league but it's like a developmental league and these two twin brothers actually just got picked fourth and fifth in the nba draft from this developmental league and they do power plays in basketball and it's like there's like five on fours and five on threes it's insane i it's i i don't know it's a gimmick but it's what what do you have to do in basketball that results in a power play yeah i think it's just like like over the back you're out for two minutes no, I think it's like developmental stuff where it's like if you do something that's like against their code or like whatever. I, I don't know. I, it's because it's like a developmental league or it's supposed to be like draft prep, I guess. But okay, 
bizarre. Yeah, it's truly, truly weird. All right. Well, I got another a little more serious one here. I think coaches should be able to challenge in the final two minutes of a half. I don't know yeah. why. I, I know it goes to like, it has to be signaled from the booth. I think a coach should have a right to throw a challenge flag in the last two minutes. I also think timeouts should not be tied to challenges because that's something you would run into it. Coaches calling timeouts at the end of the game to stop the clock. And now all of a sudden they're out of timeouts and they can't challenge. Um, and I also think you should not be limited to three challenges as it works. Now, if you win your first two challenges, you get a third challenge. I think you should be able to challenge as many plays as you want until you miss a challenge. Like if you're, if you're throwing a red flag and the officials got the call wrong, you shouldn't lose a challenge. So you can continue to throw flags until you lose a challenge and then you're done. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, what I would say to even go a step further, it's I almost think challenges should be like taken out of the coaches and the team's hands. Like, I think it should almost universally just be done on every play by the NFL, like, or by a, a team of people in a, in a studio and like, whatever, maybe, maybe even you make the, the play clock a few seconds longer and you make it so that you have like 50 seconds between every play to evaluate what just happened. And if there's anything that needs to be reviewed, you stop play. Like, I, I don't know if that's plausible. I, I really don't, but I think that it's not, it shouldn't be on the NFL's, like it shouldn't be on the teams to, to clean up the NFL's mess, I guess. Yeah, I'd be on board with that. And in that same vein, I've got one that kind of goes there. So let's talk about roughing the passer penalties, which they're just atrocious. And I get it. It's a QB driven league. You want to keep quarterbacks healthy. I'm all for that. I'm all for the game being safer. But you tell guys they cannot hit a quarterback in the head. They cannot hit them in the legs. You can't land on them. You also can't throw them to the ground. Like <clears throat> you pretty much have to pick a quarterback up and gently lay him on the ground or it be a scrambling quarterback to avoid getting a penalty called on you. So first thing is landing on a quarterback is not roughing the passer. Like I tackle you. We're both going to the ground. I land on you. That is not roughing the passer. That's step one. Step two is I think all roughing the passer penalties should be automatically reviewed from a central league official, like NFL office, New York, whatever, not somebody that's on site, somebody that is looking at every roughing the passer call automatically reviewed game stops while we take a look at it. I mean, it doesn't take long, but those plays happen so fast and it needs that needs to be taken out of the officials hands because some of the roughing the passer calls we saw last year and the year before are just ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's hard in real time, but yeah, I think that it's something that as soon as you see a replay, you can pretty easily make a distinction on it. Yeah, and and the reason I say central league official is because we tried the whole thing with reviewing pass interference penalties. What was it? A yeah. couple years ago after the Saints cried about it. Officials are not going to admit they made a mistake on a judgment call, even if it's obvious, and we saw that. So that's why it has to be taken out of their hands. It's different on like, I don't know why it's different for their ego with like whether a ball was a catch or not. They're willing to change those calls. They weren't willing to change a penalty call. So that needs to be a central league office. Yeah, totally agree. Okay. Here's another one for you. Nobody likes the coin toss. 
That's boring. It's not even on TV most of the time. I think we should replace the coin toss with a field goal competition between randomly drawn players from each team. Because who doesn't want to see Aaron Donald kicking field goals against Brock Purdy to see who gets the ball first? <laughs> I'm out. Less field goals, not more. <laughs> I thought about saying I thought about saying the head coaches have a head coach pump pass and kick thing or something like that, but I don't know. Then then you're then you're really discriminating against the Bill Belichicks of the world who would never be able to compete with the younger guys in a punting competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not the total sidebar. Who wins a NFL head coach Royal Rumble right now? Mike Vrabel. Yeah, it's Vrabel, right? Is is there anyone else in the conversation? Um Mike McCarthy, big fella? Nah. Vrabel would eat him for lunch. Mm, I'm taking a look throughout the league here. Yeah. Robert Sala? Robert Sala could probably throw down. Tomlin's kind of short, I think. Hmm. What about Dougie? You think Dougie P? You think he can he can handle himself? Uh I don't know. He's got, he's just kind of got that. Uh, he's got the grandpa vibe for me. Yeah. What about Arthur Smith? I, he's kind of a well-built guy. Well-built is, is, is one way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well-built well is one way to say it. Um, I'm I'm looking through. There's not a lot. Dable's another well-built guy. <laughs> you want to go there? Rivera, ten years ago, I think would have been in this conversation, but I think he's moved to the grandpa section. Oh my god, I forgot. My my guy Dan Campbell. I I forgot about. Oh him. yeah, he bites your kneecap. Wow, you said, Dan Campbell versus Vrabel would be. When you said my guy, I thought you were about to say Kyle Shanahan. And I was yeah. like, there's about 18 coaches in the league that would fall on Kyle Shanahan and end him. Kyle Shanahan would scheme his way into winning the Royal Rumble. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got to be. It's. It, I'm looking around here. New Orleans, no. Atlanta, no. I mean, you you could you could look at like Arizona Jonathan Gannon he wouldn't show pew, up pew 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah it's Dan Campbell versus versus Mike Vrabel and the uh, I'd be curious what the odds would be you're the betting guy you're gonna have to set the odds for us I think it's Dan Campbell minus like minus one fifty maybe if enough people tweet at them we could get a cage match set up like with Elon and Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, that it'll be on the undercard. There you go. I like that. <laughs> That's one of the more interesting side tangents I think we've ever taken on this show. <laughs> okay, so you don't like anything with kickers, even if they're not kickers. Uh, here, let's go with another easy one. No more automatic first downs on penalties. A defensive holding that's a five-yard penalty on third and 20 should not be an automatic first down. It should be a five-yard penalty. I feel like that one's pretty easy. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Then we've got the Eagles rule. I stole this one from the Eagles yeah, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. But onside kicks are dumb. 
the way they've changed it, you can't bounce the ball up in the air. They're just not going to happen. Just replace onside kicks with a fourth and 20 from your own 20 yard line. Like you score a touchdown, you want the ball back, you get one shot. You can go on fourth and 20 from your own 20 yard line. By the way, this is not from a couple of years ago. I believe they've pitched this each of the last five years. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. And I think they've added like one or two yeses each year. Someone was saying on a podcast, they were saying like if they kept the same track of adding votes, they would get there in like eight years or something. So yeah. just keep keep plugging away, Jeffrey Lurie mm-hmm. and, and Howie. Here's the question. Here's the more important question. If you're the if you're Andy Reid, would you ever kick the ball off if you could try a fourth and twenty from your own twenty? Like you just gotta do that, right? Oh, just so you can it's make it take it at that point. Yeah, I mean you got to figure what 25% of the time you could convert that maybe with Patrick Mahomes, 20% of the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. I got a couple more here. This one's another easy one. This is a stupid rule that I can't believe has never been fixed, but I loathe the rule that if an offensive player is extending for the end zone and they fumble the ball out of bounds in the end, (laughs) it's, a touchback for the defense. That's the stupidest rule. No, if, if you, if you're an offensive player and you fumble the ball and it goes out of bounds at the one inch line, you get the ball where you fumbled it. If it goes one inch into the end zone and then out of bounds, it's a touchback and you lose the ball. I think that's the stupidest rule ever. A fumble out of bounds by an offensive player should always be spotted at the spot of the fumble. Defense shouldn't get fumbles like that. I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's a goofy rule. I think it's stupid. I think it's a stupid loophole and it's fun when it happens like three times a year. I think it's like a fun, fun little instance. It's one of the dumbest rules out there. You're just (laughs) fair. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't have an opinion on it, but I, when it happens, it's always like, Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) I forgot about that rule. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Here's another one. Uh, So, with the advent of tempo offense, you saw this a lot more in college, but it's happened some in the NFL. You know, you get the guy that goes down with the phantom injury, right, to stop the offense's tempo. And then, you know, after collapsing on the field and writhing in pain and limping off the field, he comes back on after one play. No more. If play stops for an injured player, I think he should have to stay off the field for the duration of the drive. I think there's two benefits here. One is that it stops the phantom injuries to stop tempo because your guy's going to have to miss the rest of the drive. The other legitimate safety, legitimate safety thing, right? Like a quarterback gets hit in the head and we pull him off. You know, he's down on the field for five minutes and they pull him off for one play and they put the backup in to hand the ball off because they have to. And the starter trots back out like it gives you the rest of that drive and the you know, the drive the other team has because presumably no one's playing both ways. It gives you time mandated by the league to properly evaluate an injury. I think that's a no brainer really honestly more from a health standpoint after the things that we saw with Tua last year, Uh, but it's got the added side benefit of it stops the phantom injuries against tempo. Yeah. I'm in on that. No reason to not be in on that. All right. No more taunting penalties. They don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent taunting. Have fun. All right. And then my last rule proposal I don't know which way you're going to go on this because it involves kicking. 
Mm, but I'm out. <laughs> you know, every once in a while we get the the ball that like goes over the uprights and it's like right on the line and you got them like drawing the line on the teleprompter. Like, was it good? Was it not? Nobody knows. We're just guessing. I think you should put a crossbar on top of the goalpost and anything over it's a miss. You have to kick it through the goalposts. No more kicking it 20 yards over the top of the goalposts. Get these failed soccer players off of my football field. That's my take <laughs> on kickers as a whole. I want them out of the sport. That's a good clip right there. <laughs> we need to clip that one. <laughs> okay. I thought you might like that one because it'd make life tougher for kickers. I don't want it to like, ugh, I don't even know. It's hard to even put my, my disdain for the kicking game in the NFL into words, but I don't want them to miss kicks. Like I, I don't want, I don't want points left on the board. It's not Mark good is, for overs. Let me summarize Mark's position. I don't want them to miss kicks. I don't want them to have kicks. Yeah, no, I don't want kicks. I, I, I don't want them to be bad at their jobs. I don't want them to have jobs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a jobs creation guy when it comes to kickers. <laughs> All right, well, it's that's my job. Up my rule proposals. Uh, did you have one more? I think I think you said you had three. Oh, they have a chip in the ball. Use it. It's a billion dollar industry, and we're eyeballing spots on first down. We're just eyeballing it. I don't know if that's use the chip in the ball or let's review it. That's true. We we got the we got the ten foot long or the ten yard long chain that they go by from Home Depot that broke two times this year at the link, oh, by the way, which is hilarious. Chains. When your field is the link and the link and your chains keep breaking. But yeah, it's it's so subjective. Like you've got two officials running in from opposite sides of the field. And I always think it's funny, like you'll see the sideline view and they're running in like a yard apart. And it's whichever guy gets the ball, he spots it where he's at. Yeah, with you. And I think that, I mean, the chip is like in the middle of the ball. I'm fine with that. Like, if it means the middle of the ball has to get into the end zone, the only reason we just use, like, breaking the plane now is because we're taking imprecise eyeball measurements. Like, if you're using an objective chip in the middle of the ball to spot the ball, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think that's a lot better. It's the same thing, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but it's the same thing with like automating ball strike calls. I have no idea why anyone other than an umpire would ever be against that. Like, if you can get the call right yeah. 100% yeah. of the time, why would you ever not want to? It doesn't make any sense to me. I agree with you a million percent on the umpires. <laughs> okay. Well, Arthur Smith catching strays umpires catching strays kickers are catching a lot of strays on this podcast but uh that's all the rule proposals that i have but uh, i've been tweeting out some stuff this week that we're gonna spend a few minutes talking about a uh, few teams that i'm interested in for next year some explosive play rate stuff that i tweeted out but uh mark you were you were the one that brought these up where do you want to start with this wherever you want to start i thought they were all interesting um there was I think it's mostly AFC ones that I that I was noticing. Um, they were all interesting, and they all a couple of them involve takes that I kind of help my my opinions on the 2023 season. Let's start with Pittsburgh. All right, let's start with Pittsburgh, a team that I'm really high on uh, for this coming season. But 
I'm high on him with a catch that we get to at the end. So I put this one out today. Uh, these are all on Twitter at Shane half NFL. You guys can go follow him, but I think the, tw- the Steelers are a fascinating team to watch this season. You look, I mean, the season started really bad for them last year. It, you start out losing TJ Watt in the first game of the season. And we were on chalk talk saying as they hit their bye, like Mike Tomlin would have to do the best coaching job of his career to keep his no losing record streak intact. And he did. They won seven of their final nine games. But aside from that, like Kenny Pickett started to play a lot better after their week nine bye, he ranked sixth in EPA per play. They won seven and nine games, and their two losses came to the Bengals and the Ravens by a combined nine points. And in the Bengals game, Pickett got banged up, so he missed part of that game. So they had a radically different team after the bye. And then part of what made me start thinking about this, Mark, is you've talked about it on the podcast, how vital T.J. Watt is to their success. He tore his peck, missed seven games, right? He returned after the bye, but the defense, when he was gone, gave up 25.3 points per game, which would rank 30th in the league, 389.9 yards, which would rank 31st. They had eight sacks, which would be on pace to be 32nd in the league. They had five takeaways, which would be on pace, extended over a full season to be 32nd. With Watt in the lineup, those numbers changed dramatically. They went from 30th in points per game to second, 31st in yards per game to first, 32nd in sacked to seventh, 32nd in takeaways to third. And, oh, by the way, your favorite stat, the Steelers are 59-26-2 when T.J. Watt plays, and they're 1-10 and when he doesn't. Yeah, they were 8-2 last year when he, yeah. when he played. And, and Unreal. presumably, I mean, because he's a durable guy. He hasn't missed games. He just had a bad injury last year. So presumably he's going to play. And then you just go down to, we loved what they did in the draft. Broderick Jones, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Both were top 15 on my board. I'm pretty sure they were both. I think you were actually higher on both of them than I was. They signed Isaac Samalo away from the Eagles. And Isaac Samalo, I've said for years, is criminally underrated. Uh, even Jason Kelsey has talked about how intelligent he is helping make calls in the interior of the line and stuff. So they had a great offseason. Everything looks good. The twist, the negative is the two teams they lost to after the bye are both in their division. Yeah. The AFC North is going to be brutal, man. But I, I think the Steelers are primed to have a good year. But I think the AFC North is shaping up to be what we thought the AFC West was going to be last year. Just a brutal stretch of three really good teams battling it out. And they may not all three make the playoffs because of it. And it's funny you say that because there's a lot of people who are really high on Cleveland as well. So just another team that people are high on i think cleveland will be the one that suffers the wrath of that division being really really good but yeah i I, I have to see deshaun watson play good football again before i'm willing to say that i'll be in on cleveland i still don't even love the roster that much either so yeah there's concerns uh, a plenty there but let's stick in that division and let's move over to uh let's go to baltimore okay so baltimore My big thing for Baltimore is, I mean, I'm a big Lamar guy. You're a big Lamar guy. Before he got hurt in 2022, the Ravens ranked third in offensive DVOA. So they were phenomenal before his injury. Lamar was 12th in EPA per play, and he was ninth in success rate while he was throwing to Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay. 
Remember, Rashad Bateman was hurt. This season, Greg Roman's gone. They bring in Todd Munkin, big upgraded offensive coordinator. And instead of throwing to Robinson and Duvernay, he gets a wide receiver trio of Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers. Now, granted, Odell Beckham Jr. is coming off of sitting out of a year after an injury in the Super Bowl. Granite Rashad Bateman hasn't lived up to his first round billing and he's been injured and Zay Flowers is a rookie. But even if you just say like two of those three are acceptable level NFL receivers, that makes it the best receiver core Lamar's ever played with. And so he's paid. He's happy. uh, He's got a good coach. He's got a good OC. He's still got Mark Andrews. He's got his running backs coming back. I'm really excited about the Ravens. And again, it just that it's that crossfire of that division. Uh, but I think the Ravens could have a really good year offensively as well. Yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, Todd Munkin, I think we're giving him a lot of credit. I think it's I'm in a, in a little bit more wait and see mode um, in terms of I, I didn't hate Roman as an OC as much as a lot of other people did, and I understood some of the gripes, but I think a lot of the problems with Greg Roman were personnel dictated, and like mm-hmm. you said. This is definitely the best receiver core Lamar's ever had. I am not going to go all the way and say, oh, it's totally fixed and, you know, Lamar's got great weapons now. I think he probably still doesn't have, like, top 20 weapons because he doesn't have that true, definite, defined number one guy. Um, And maybe he does. Maybe Odell steps in and is that. Maybe Zay Flowers steps in and is that. But I agree. It's good that he has competent guys out there because that's an improvement. Yeah, absolutely. I I would have to think through like the weapon groups teams have to know where I'd rank them. It still wouldn't be high, but it's that's a a much higher floor than it has been for sure. They they did that on around the NFL, so it would be a little bit of a copy job. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do that as a as a portion of a podcast in the off season here. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, okay, uh, where do we want to go next? Um, let's go to Miami uh, and let's go, let's, you know, let's help out the two Anon supporters out there who are still, right. uh, who are still believing. All right. So this is for you, Miami fans to Anon. uh, in the first 11 weeks of last season, Tua ranked number one in EPA, number one in QBR and number two in completion percentage. After that, course he's dealing with injuries he didn't play he played off and on but in the games after he started getting injured he dropped to 21st in epa 26th in qbr and 31st in completion percentage without Tua on the field uh tyree kill and jalen waddle combined for zero touchdowns with teddy bridgewater slash skylar thompson i feel like the x factor for the dolphins this year is can Tua stay healthy Tua has to stay healthy. He's got to prove that he can do that. That's That was a concern in the draft. Now, it was hip-related, not concussion-related, but that's why he fell some in the draft. And Mike McDaniel's got to continue to evolve his offense because you saw like what the 49ers schemed up really stymied the Dolphins, and then everybody was copying that, and the Dolphins had trouble, and there's health things mixed in. There's The, the book was kind of out on them. You have to continue to evolve, but if those two things happen, if – Mike McDaniel continues to evolve, and I think he will because I kind of think he's a genius. So if Tua can stay healthy, I think they're very serious contenders in the AFC. That 
They added Jalen Ramsey and David Long on defense. They've got Vic Fangio in the building. But again, this is one of those divisions that is just loaded. You've got the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. You've got the Bills and Josh Allen. And we don't need to talk about the Patriots because they're kind of irrelevant. But this is another one of those divisions in the AFC that has three teams that should be viewed as serious contenders. And you start crunching the numbers with three teams and uh, the AFC uh shoot what division the AFC North that should be playoff contenders and somebody's getting left out and I don't know who it's going to be uh, but uh, it's going to be it's good one of these teams is going to be way better than a seven seed we see get dominated on wild card weekend in the NFC yeah and that's not even bringing in the Chargers and Broncos into the conversation who I think will be in the conversation so it's like that's been my biggest thing that I've when I've been going through kind of my my projections for gambling for overs and unders and for for props out there, I I have the I, I have the same teams winning the divisions as won them last year with Buffalo, Cincy, Kansas City, and Jacksonville. I'm extremely confident Pittsburgh will make the playoffs, and I'm confident the Jets will make the playoffs. But then that seventh spot comes down to Miami. Baltimore, the Chargers, the Broncos, that's impossible for me to try to pick my, my seven out of that. I, I'm going with Baltimore tentatively, mm-hmm. but it's tough. Who are the top teams in the NFC? You got 49ers and Eagles, Cowboys. Is there any other NFC team that you think is a serious contender? Seattle, but that's Seattle, more of Seattle. like me being, I, I'm, I know I'm higher than consensus on Seattle. But I, I would throw Seattle in there. I think 10 of the top 14 teams in the NFL are in the AFC. So who did you say from the NFC? You said Philly, Dallas, San Fran, Seattle? Yeah. All these AFC teams, including some of these teams that are going to miss the playoffs, are better than anybody else in the NFC that I can think of, at least off the top of my head. Yeah, it it becomes a how do you feel about the Vikings conversation, I think. Yeah, I know you're not high on them. Neither am I. I think I feel about the same about them as I do about Dallas. Yeah, yeah, head coach factored in. Dallas wouldn't make my top 12. I don't know. Dallas's defense has been really good two years in a row, and – I know he's old, but now they have Brandon Cooks on the offense. Like Tyler Smith really showed out really well last year. I think Dallas is a really good football team. I think their defense is probably like a top three or four unit in the league. But as we've said time and time again, defensive performance is not sticky year to year. And so you never know what you're going to get. But on paper, they're a top three. I don't know. Honestly, I might say they're the best defense in the NFL on paper. I don't know if I agree with that. I'd have to I'd have to look into it, but um, I, I felt like they just didn't improve from last year at all. Like I, I don't think they've done anything to to get better. That that's kind of my my thing with Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap up my teams. I'm really high on that. One of them's got to miss the playoffs in the AFC with the Bills, who. I think people are more down on the Bills than they should be because of yeah. how last season ended. You think about last season and there were such high expectations for the Bills. We all watched the season opener 
when it was like the Rams before we knew they were terrible. They were playing too high. They were making Josh Allen hit the underneath throws and do the West Coast offense. And Josh Allen just executed it flawlessly. And it was like, oh my gosh, if Josh Allen can do that, they're unstoppable. And he was through the first nine weeks of the season. Through the first nine weeks of the season, he ranked second in EPA and first in success rate. He got injured in week nine, the elbow injury. And I won't claim to be a doctor or act like I know what was going on there, but for whatever reason, he could not throw short passes anymore. And you get into the end of the year and it's like Ken Dorsey was like, fine, we just won't call short passes. And they got real shot heavy. The average depth of target just skyrocketed for the bills and they got inefficient and Josh Allen looked like he was trying to play hero ball and you had the whole DeMar Hamlin thing and you're running on uh, emotions from that. And I don't know how that all coalesces, but after his injury, which is where I just kind of chopped it off here, his EPA per play dropped by 31%. He was remarkably inefficient. He's had the off season. The elbow is healed. So if this was a physiological thing, as I think it was primarily, we should see that week one through nine Josh Allen back. Now, if it was a psychological thing, who knows? Hopefully, you know, with time, that's hopefully gotten better. Maybe he's going to start playing hero ball again. I don't really know on that part of it. I can't speak to that. But I assume it was mostly physiological because you saw his inability to throw the short ball accurately right after the injury before everything else started to happen and you would have thought that would have healed up over time but he's playing through it maybe it doesn't but then they add Dalton Kincaid uh, who we were both pretty big fans of they add Osiris Torrance in the draft both of those guys were top 30 players for me so I thought they got some nice pieces on the offense Um, and again loaded division Aaron Rodgers just moved into the division but I feel like this division still runs through Buffalo but the Jets and the Dolphins are going to make this really interesting. AFC East is going to be much must-watch football. It's like it's like the Patriots ran this division for like 18 years, and now the inmates run the asylum, and it's like New England is dead, and everybody else is just throwing a big party. Yeah, no, I think they got. I think they're going to win the division. I have them in my top five on my power rankings. I, I have them fifth, um, and I do think. We're doing this whole Josh Allen's a loser thing and he's never going to get it done. And it's like, you know, can we not erase what happened with him against Mahomes two years ago? Like he, that wasn't his fault. Yeah. If they only had my, if they had my overtime rules, actually, no, no, no. Let me rephrase that. If they had Mark's overtime rules, that game would still be going on Yeah, because they would still be trading touchdowns every three plays. I firmly believe that if you put the if you put a college style overtime in that game there would have been like 8 of them because those two teams were going to keep scoring 350 to 343 yeah Final sorry score. guys we have to delay the draft because a playoff game is still going <laughs> the super like people a, are just waiting at the super bowl i don't know i, I don't know, are you a harry potter fan no no i'm not oh okay well maybe some of the listeners are but it's yeah, like yeah. it's like when uh, when uh, they talk about at like the World Cup, uh, the Quidditch World Cup, that there yeah, was a game Quidditch. that just like continued going because they couldn't catch the snitch and they were like bringing in replacement players so guys could sleep and then play again. And we could have that going on with a football game. Quidditch is basically a lacrosse, right? 
Uh, lacrosse adjacent on with wings. Yeah, and and a and a super powerful ball that if you catch it, it ends the game and you always win. Honestly, objectively, and I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, but Quidditch is kind of a dumb sport because every <laughs> goal is ten points, and then the snitch is like two hundred and fifty points, and so like. It's just that that's the only thing that's important. Whoever catches that is almost always going to win. JK oh. Rowling did not know ball. Like she, yeah. she could not, she did not know ball enough to create a sport. Yeah. She, she knew enough to create an entire magical fantasy world. That's incredible, but her magic sport, it, it might need a little bit of help. <laughs> so, okay. And then the last thing I had that Mark was talking about, uh, I I've been working on, I was doing a lot of digging into explosive plays and uh, the Eagles were just phenomenal in terms of explosive plays last year. Uh, they led the league in explosive plays, which is uh, rushes over 10 yards and passes over 20 yards. And the gap between the Eagles and number two, which was 16 plays is about the same as the gap between number two and number 18. They were 33% above league average in explosive plays. And so I tweeted this out. Um, and somebody asked me to do it in terms of like percentages. Cause I think it was a bears fan and like the bears didn't pass much. So like, is their explosive pass rate that bad? Or did they just not have many because they didn't throw it much? And I thought that was interesting. So uh, I plotted that out and let me find it here. Here it is. So this is explosive play rate. Uh, now one data nerd disclaimer here is that, uh, quarterback scrambles are calculated as rushes rather than dropbacks in this. And that shouldn't be how it is, but it's how I was able to get the data. So a QB run counted as a rush. Um, so the further right you are, the more, the higher your explosive pass rate was and the Eagles led the league and the further up you are, uh, the higher your explosive run rate was and the Ravens led the league by a mile in terms of explosive run rate. So, uh, here's the chart. Uh, it's on my Twitter. If you guys are listening on audio format later, uh, you can you can check that out. If you're watching on YouTube or something, it's up here on the screen. But Mark, does anything stick out to you here uh, in terms of explosive play rates from last season? Nick Chubb's really good. Um, if you have a mobile quarterback, you're going to be able to run, and it's going to help your passing game as well. Yeah. Think so. Pause there for a second. We just talk explosive run rate. <clears throat> Stop me when I get, I'm just going to go down the list. Stop me when I get to a team that doesn't have a mobile quarterback, the Ravens, the Browns, the giants, the bills, the bears, the Eagles, the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks is I guess Gino's not yeah. super mobile. The Falcons, the Raiders. So the Raiders is pretty much where you totally drop it off. But yeah, mobile quarterbacks are absolutely a cheat code. Uh, I've said this before. I would not draft a quarterback in the first round in today's NFL that can't move. That doesn't mean they have to be Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts in terms of mobility, but they've got to at least be Trevor Lawrence. They need to be able to move. They can yeah. tuck and scramble if they need to. Be Patrick Mahomes. Everybody wants to be Patrick Mahomes, but in terms of mobility, be Patrick Mahomes. Just able to improvise, uh, That's that would be an absolute requirement for me, a deal breaker if a quarterback didn't have that. Yeah, it's a shame you won't see many more uh, Carson Strongs or <laughs> Ryan Mallets RIPs. Um, yeah. So it's going to be pretty much only guys who have a certain level of athleticism in terms of running in the pocket. 
to be fair, we never saw Carson Strong, so. <laughs> we would have if his knees weren't the worst knees on the planet. He, he literally got... <laughs> released his own highlight reel from OTAs. Do you remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember After he that. got cut, he released like some footage of OTAs, like a highlight reel. I think he was trying to get another team to pick him up. So, anyways, anything <laughs> else stick out to you on that? No, not nothing much. Uh, I'm actually surprised Houston's as high as they are in explosive pass rate. Yeah. Yeah, nothing much. The Bengals running game was atrocious. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. third worst in the league in terms of explosive run rate. That wow. and then the Chargers just being as bad as they are with Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. That's just a travesty. The Titans are just mid, as mid yeah. as possible. I am excited that Kellen Moore is out of Dallas now and in Los Angeles because I've always liked Kellen Moore, and now I feel like I can actually root for Kellen Moore. Yeah. Yeah, you're all well, you're all in on Kellen Moore now. He better be the guy. Yeah. So all right. Well, that's about all that I have for our peak offseason podcast here. Uh Mark, do you have any other uh tangents you want to lead us on? Any other any final thoughts? Anything you need to get off your chest? No, I can't believe we went fifty five minutes in peak offseason. Yeah, I can't believe your final thought wasn't to kick all the kickers out of the league. Get rid of the kickers. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) all right well that is going to wrap it up here thank you guys for tuning in to this episode episode 113 of chalk talk if you enjoy what you heard on the show and we hope that you do i'll scale that down from we know that you do after this one but smash that subscribe button turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you stream your podcast uh, you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. If you guys have topics you would like to see us cover, we're already planning to do QB rankings. Um, I know that's on the docket. We'll do some other ranking sort of stuff, but kind of non-ranking oriented podcasts because we don't want to just turn into a ranking podcast every week. So if you've got topics, things you want us to talk about, Hit, us, hit one of us up on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, we want to talk about what you guys want to talk about and persevere through this offseason into the final stretch. We're about four weeks away now from uh, from OTAs and stuff starting, and so we'll actually start to get back into semi-sort of real football stuff. So uh, hit us up with those ideas. Other than that, we will catch you guys next week for another edition of Chalk Talk.